0: 77
1: W.A.B.C. W.A.B.C. New York and 107.1 W.L.I.R.F.M. Hampton Bays. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 W.A.B.C. Three U.S. soldiers have been killed in a drone attack in the Middle East. That attack in Jordan killed three U.S. Army soldiers and injured more than 30 others. Tonight, President Biden is responding. CBS 2's Jenna DeAngelis, live in our newsroom with the breaking details. Jenna. Jessica, President Biden saying we shall respond. Today's attack marks the first time U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. U.S. officials say the drone attack impacted a base in Northeast Jordan near the Syrian border known as Tower 22, killing three three U.S. service members and injuring more than 30 others. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said they were deployed there to work for the lasting defeat of ISIS. President Biden blamed Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq, but said the facts are still being gathered. Retired U.S. Army Colonel Joe Buccino, who previously served as communications director for U.S. Central Command, which oversees American military operations in the Middle East, believes the U.S. has to send a stronger message. In order to make Iran stop all this, We've got to make Iran feel pain. That's what that's what Iran understands, and so we've got to do it in the next 72 hours. Uh, we've got to do it within. You've got a very short window where Iran will get the message. We had
0: a tough day last night. The least lost.
2: forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom never ever they want to silence me because I will never let them silence you that's what they want to do that's the game they play and in the end they're not after me they're after you I just happen to be standing in the way here I am it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun had a good time And just recently, a vicious, illegal alien criminal who was wanted for murder all over the planet, wanted, everybody knew this person, not a good person, was discovered living as a fugitive right here in Las Vegas, isn't that nice? We have no choice. Within moments of my inauguration, we will begin the largest domestic deportation operation in America.
3: Last week, Houston did not have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over the matchup you wanted to watch, Kelsey wins it, and the Chiefs drive for an opening touchdown. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers, he dives! The ball came out, it's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? I think you're right. They're calling it a touchback and recovery on the field. This is a call that could determine the whole game right here. Sneed. It's out. Who has played as at the highest level this entire season, Jim? The drive that began at the one-yard line has now reached the Chiefs 25, second and 10. To the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Dion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. First down, another fake. Come with Jameson Williams. The Speezer has a block. Williams cuts out 25-20. Still on his feet. Jameson Williams scores. And a
4: deep McCaffrey's gonna get it. And he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. No name. Well, um, where I am this morning, the streets certainly do have a name. Hey, Louie, how do I sound back there in the studios of WABC?
2: I hear an amazing
4: tonality. Oh, you do, huh? Yes. The old, uh, Kelly Ripper loves Sid Rosenberg's tonality. She we stole, are, uh,
2: stole that from me. By I, the think way, so. did, yes, yeah. I think she did, yes.
4: I think she did. Well, good. we miss you, Louis. You're uh, back in the studios, of course, in, in uh, Midtown Manhattan. And we are coming to you live this morning from a place called Talpiat, Jerusalem. Talpiot, Jerusalem, the home of the JNS Studios, the Jewish Network. What does JNS uh, stand for? Syndicate? Or? Jewish News Syndicate. Jewish News Syndicate, that's right. Where do they get the network from? Well, I don't know. Jewish News Syndicate, my friend Alex Trayman. And Alex has been on this show, as you know, if you listen to me every day quite a bit since October the 7th. He's been our go-to live guy. I must say that Alex's wife, her name is Sippy, and she has been a huge help to me this trip. Everything from tanning salons to gyms on the, uh, that is, of course, the superficial side of Sid Rosenberg. The, the real side of Sid Rosenberg we'll get to momentarily. But I gotta tell you, Lou, and, you know, we talked about doing this really since October the 9th. October the 7th was the the tragic day, of course, uh, down in Gaza in the south. And that very next morning, October the 8th, I posted a video for my living room in Bell Harbor, Queens, which I put back up. I reposted that on my Instagram just a couple of days ago. In fact, on the way here. And I recommend you check out my Instagram this morning, at Sydney at Rosenberg.Sydney. Or Facebook said Rosenberg because... You're going to see some really cool pictures where I was just a couple of hours ago. I'll get to that. So that morning, of course, was a Sunday morning. I told you this story on Friday. And the Jets and the Giants (laughs) uh, very rarely play during the regular season. They play an annual preseason game, but very rarely play during the regular season. And this was going to be the first time in like five years that was going to be that case. And that morning, that Sunday, October the 8th, I sat down and cut a video from my living room and said, I just don't care. All I can think about are the people of Israel, the poor hostages, the young ladies, what they're going through. I was the first, guys, you know this. It, came, it took the media a long time, the media, even folks in government, to talk about what our young women are going through in Gaza. I was the first one that Monday morning to say, these poor girls, they've got to be getting raped 20 times a day. No one said a word about that. It's all in that video from October the 8th. And I made up my mind that day that I was coming to Israel. By hook or by crook, we were going to get here. Now, it took a couple of months, but with the help of my dear friend Yehuda Hanikman, who lives uh, here in Jerusalem. He's a guy that lived in New York uh, for a, a major part of his life, but moved here about 12 years ago. He reached out to a bunch of his friends and a bunch of different organizations in and around the Israel area, and, of course, the help of WABC. Without the blessing of John and Margot Katsimatidis and, of course, Chad Lopez and others, this was never going to happen. So this has been in the making for months. And between Yehuda, the powers that be at WABC, One Israel Fund, who has sponsored uh, this trip from beginning to end, which includes airfare, hotels, all of it, uh, Hillel Fold, another major part of this. And, of course, Trayman and JNS. we are here and live this morning from Jerusalem. And it's surreal. You know, I remember sitting in the studio on Friday. You remember this? And I said, right now, I am doing this show on this Friday morning from 49th Street and 3rd Avenue. Think about this for a second. I'm on 49th and 3rd. I'm across the street from Smith and Walensky's. And my next show is going to be from somewhere in Jerusalem. And here we are. Now, let me say this. Getting here is no fun. (laughs) I had to keep telling myself it's worth it. It's worth it because this is a brutal trip. I mean, brutal. I arrived at Kennedy Airport about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Uh, I think I boarded the plane. It was about um, a quarter to one already Sunday morning. And I didn't land in Tel Aviv until dinner time last night. Flight lasted just over 10 hours. But by the time you get to the airport, get ready for the flight, then you get to the destination and leave the airport, you're talking about 14, 15 hours. It is a long day. So I barely slept. I got back to the hotel, and then my beautiful wife Danielle and my Son Gabriel, my daughter Ava, who they flew from London to meet us here in Israel, they arrived with Justin at about 5 o'clock in the morning. So I think I got two hours of sleep, but I am so pumped up this morning. Really this afternoon in Israel right now, it's one twenty in the afternoon. The adrenaline is flowing, and it's been an incredible two days already. I will tell you this. When I landed, the weather here in Israel was terrible, and they've been calling for rain and It's not nice out here, folks. Maybe a lot down in the south is nice, but we're looking at temperatures at about uh, 52 degrees, lows last night, low 40s, and a lot of rain, which is uh, really not characteristic of what you get here this time of year. And moments ago, I mean five minutes before the start of this show, as only Hashem would have it, the sun has come out in Jerusalem. God is so happy that Sid Rosenberg has made the pilgrimage to Israel. The sun has come out. Right? I, I, I'm getting the, the, uh, the thumbs up from uh, the lovely Ayala in the other room who's helping us out here in, in Jerusalem. So let me tell you quickly before I get to all this stuff going on in the news. Uh, of course, uh, three more Americans killed in Jordan. Joe Biden, once again, pathetic in his response. He'll do nothing. Donald Trump, who we really need back in office, uh, he would make something happen. But we've got to wait another eight, nine months. We know this already. Uh, we know the two teams ready to go in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas coming up in two weeks. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs back for the fourth time in six years, taking on San Francisco. A rematch, by the way, of Super Bowl 54, the same game we saw four years ago. When, in fact, Mahomes and Kansas City came back to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco 31-20. to So the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. But here's how it starts for me. On most mornings, I'm going to take you really inside now, folks. I'm in Queens. And I've got those uh, old people beds. You know those old people beds where, like, you have remote controls because my back hurts, my ass hurts, this hurts, that hurts. So Danielle and I sleep together, but... I could, be, I could be sleeping in an upward position. She can be down, like old people. So um, we try not to bother each other. I get up at 3.15 in the morning. So most days, I wake up somewhere around 3.15 a.m. I tiptoe about 15 feet into my bathroom. I very quietly shut the bathroom door and put the lights on. At that point, I may shower. No, I shower every morning. I may shave, excuse me. But I certainly shower every morning. So I spend, on average, 15 to 30 minutes inside my bathroom in Queens. So you got to figure I leave my bathroom in my bedroom around 3.45 a.m. Then I tiptoe outside my bedroom, shut the door, walk into my daughter Ava's room because she's in Europe, get dressed, walk downstairs, and meet my drivers, either Levi or Jean around 4.10 a.m. outside my front door. I get to the office usually around 5 o'clock in time to see Frank Morano on his way out, uh, see Noam, and I spend about an hour with Justin getting ready for the show. That's my mornings 99% of the time. Already this morning in Israel, I've done enough activities for two weeks. So Yehuda meets me in the hotel lobby at about 9.30. At that point, I'm up already, shaved, showered, had a nice breakfast on the 11th floor, 16 cups of coffee, all good to go. So we take a walk from my hotel, which is pretty much central Jerusalem. It's about a 20-minute walk, and we walk to the Western Wall, or as some of you call it, the Wailing Wall. Now to get there, we walked unbelievably through the Arab markets. They call them the Muslim quarters. And these are stores uh, inside tunnels, some of the most beautiful architecture you've ever seen, but they're all owned by Arabs. And what we noticed this morning is, they still call them Arabs here, by the way. What we noticed here this morning is a lot of those stores were shut down because the Jewish people will not go there anymore and spend money after what happened October the 7th. So there's only a couple of stores open, but you go through these Muslim quarters to make your way to the Western Wall. And, folks, there is not a holier place in the world than the Western Wall. So I get there this morning. And I've got Yehuda with me. I've got Rabbi Bloomstein, who runs a huge congregation out there in Woodmere, Long Island, the five towns. I've got Aaron, another friend of Yehuda's. There's about five or six of us. we got uh, like an entourage of, uh, you know, Brooklyn and Long Island Jews making our way to the Western Wall. And I get there, and they go, to get, you got to wrap tefillin, you know. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. Know it's fine. So I said, sure. So I allowed the guy to wrap the tefillin on me. And then I went to the wall. I said a prayer for my late great father, Harvey, who I miss desperately. Uh, he would have loved to have seen this, man. He would have loved to have seen this. said a prayer for my mom, Naomi, listening right now. For my wife, Danielle, my beautiful children, Ava and Gabe, and everybody else, all of you. I said a prayer for at the Western Wall this morning. It was pretty unbelievable. I mean, I can tell you, it takes a lot. Lou, you know this. It takes a lot to shake me. But I'm an emotional guy. You guys hear me crying on this show all the time, all the time. But I was literally shaking as I was standing by the wall taking pictures. Like I had just won the Super Bowl after making that prayer for everybody I love. And and, uh, you can see those pictures right now, again, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram and Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. But just to see it with the temple that went through the destruction behind it, I mean, the history that's there from there's still architecture there from the Roman days, believe it or not. Uh, And then when you walk really by the steps, by the Western Wall, you can see in the not so distance the mountains of Jordan. And Jordan, of course, is a major story today because that's where three Americans, our kids, were killed just yesterday. You can see the mountains of Jordan from right there by the Western Wall. And it was a great walk. And then we hopped in our car and headed over to these studios. We've been here for about an hour. And now we're ready to have a great week of shows. Now, all of our regular guests will be on, folks. Steve Bannon today, he'll be here throughout the week. Bill O'Reilly and Peter King and Judge Napolitano and Joe Tacopino. They're all going to be here. But we'll be adding, of course, a lot of live guests here in Israel and folks that are covering what is still a war here. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's true what Alex told me last week on this show. When I walk out my hotel, I don't feel like I'm in a war zone necessarily. But I can tell you this, there's already been three attacks this morning. Some guy got out of his car in Haifa, which is not far from us, with an axe, tried to kill somebody, and they killed him. There was another attack in Jerusalem just yesterday. So you don't feel like you're under attack. They haven't fired a missile at this area now for a good six or seven weeks. But if you check your news every couple of minutes, there's another story about something going on very, very close by. So we're not out of the woods, not even close. In fact, most of the folks I talk to here are preparing for war in the north. And basically, what they've told me to a man is if this war in the north escalates as quickly as they think, all of Israel is basically going to be shut down. Jerusalem, the central part of this city, it's going to be shut down. Remember, folks, what we had after 9-11 for those couple of weeks? It could be months. It could be a year here in Israel if, in fact, the war in the north gets bad and they think it's going to get bad. And, again, not a matter of if, really a matter of when. Some say March. Some say early next fall. But they are preparing for the worst. And it doesn't look like the, uh, the bad guys, Iran, Iraq, all these other folks, uh, are going to do anything to stop it? Our government is completely feckless, bunch of morons, and a waste of time. Trump can't do anything next year; it's too late. So, and I think that they'll, they'll, they'll try to do as much as possible now before Biden leaves office because they know they can. That's the bottom line: they know they can. Kind of like the days with uh, Carter and Reagan, right? Iran did what they wanted to as long as Jimmy was president. Reagan took over. Banger was over. It's going to be the same thing with Biden and Trump, except more difficult now because now the whole world is involved. And Biden, believe it or not, is even more peckless than Jimmy Carter. So it's a very, very scary situation for Israelis here. Just because you're not reading every day about people getting accosted, people being taken hostage, people getting killed, the fear and anxiety is still here. And there's another picture on my Instagram this morning. I was walking down Joppa Street. And wherever you go, the pictures of the hostages, they are everywhere. They are everywhere. And they talk about these hostages all the time. They are sick to their stomach that still over 130, if they're alive, no one knows if they're alive, but still over 130, are still being held captive somewhere between Gaza and God knows where else. So we are here. It's going to be a very, very emotional and tremendous week. I promise you, folks, this will be the best week of radio you've gotten in years. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Lou Rafino, Rich Rodabelli, and Curtis Sliwa back in the studios. Me and Justin live right here in Jerusalem. Here for the people of Israel, as well as the people of New York, America and around the world. We'll take a short break, more live from Israel with Sid and friends in the morning right after this.
1: Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gabolaw, Gobble law where winning is no accident
5: if you have Or email them at info at GaboLaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. GaboLaw, where winning is no accident.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC.
5: Trump has called on you to get out of this race. The RNC says it's time for Republicans to unify around Mr. Trump. What is your response to this apparent pressure campaign against you? Look, I mean, he can't bully his way through the nomination. I think that, you know, it's not surprising that he is surrounded by the political elite. But let's keep in mind, the political elite has got nothing done for us in stopping the wasteful spending, has got nothing done to secure the border, has gotten nothing done to keep us more safe as we see wars around the world. And so, look, that's exactly what we don't want. I mean, the reason the political elite are upset and the members of Congress are upset is because I've pushed for term limits. I've pushed for mental competency tests. I've said if they don't get a budget out on time, they shouldn't get paid. So look, I have fought this political class um, my entire life, and it's it's I'd much rather be fighting for the people than fighting for the elected officials in DC.
4: yeah, 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 Bay that's that uh, Nikki Haley, who at this point I like less than Biden, which I never thought was possible, but I do. The irrelevant Nikki Haley, who last I checked, came in third place in Iowa, despite winning the majority in a big way of independent voters and Democrats in New Hampshire. She still lost that primary by double digits. And at last look, she's down by 37 points in her own state of South Carolina. She talks a big game. I mean, you talk about somebody who's completely delusional, and yes, all that is going on right now. You're right, Nikki baby, but guess what? It wasn't four years ago ago, when the guy that hired you, you remember, you worked for Donald Trump, then you stabbed him in the back and ran out. You loved him back then. None of this was going on. Now all of a sudden he's part of the problem? Who are you kidding? She's a liar. She's a backstabber. She's one of the worst candidates I've come across on our team in years. And uh, she's going to stick around because there's enough people out there that hate Trump to give her money. I mean, she got a million dollars after she lost New Hampshire by double digits. Unbelievable. Stick around, Nikki. It's going to get worse. So i got to tell you, on, um, on Saturday night, I make my way to Kennedy Airport. And it's a pretty full flight. The flight left at 1 a.m. to uh, get to Israel. Pretty full flight. And I go to the gate. And... I never know how I'm going to be received. You know, I, I always talk a big game. I'm a big star. I'm the man. But, but to be honest, I, sometimes I just don't get it myself. It's, I've used this word already this morning. I'll say it again. It's surreal to me how many people now come up to me, message me, how much they love me and the show, all that stuff, you know. So I walk to the gate, and I expect that, yeah, maybe one or two people will say, hey, Sid, it was a lot more than that. And I'm taking pictures. There was one kid in particular. I really like this kid. His name is George, 16 years old, only one year older than my son Gabriel. Lives on the Upper East Side, which is a horrible place, just infested with liberals. But he, uh, he loves the Giants, he loves the Knicks, and he loves Trump. And him and I must have talked for a good 15 minutes. His mom was sitting there. And um, I would say that I guess a conservative figure I took about 15 pictures, which is a lot at the gate before a flight takes off. So at one point, this mother and daughter walk over to me, and they go, excuse me, but we don't know who you are, and we're noticing that people are running over to you to take some pictures. You must be famous. And I was like, yes, I am. In fact, I'm very famous. Louis, you're going to love this. I'm so really the laughing. lady, laughing. Yeah. So the lady goes, <laughs> lady goes, well, again, I feel horrible. I don't know who you are. Who are you? And I said, no, no, no. That's okay. Don't feel horrible. I'm Howard Stern. (laughs) (laughs) The lady goes... Oh, you cut your hair. <laughs> he had no idea, like this religious lady. She goes, Oh, you cut your hair. <laughs> I said, Yeah, I was getting too unruly. You know, my wife Beth couldn't stand it. And Now, by the way, at no point did I tell this lady I'm Sid Rosenberg because I really had her. I mean, I, I had her the whole time, you know. And she's telling all of her friends I met Howard Stern now at the, uh, at the airport gate. But uh, that was the perfect way to get on the plane, wouldn't you say, guys? Who are you? Uh, Noam, what is, uh, what is the big story this morning back in New York City?
5: Well, for sure, it's this—you know these three American service members that were killed Sunday night in that overnight drone attack in Jordan. Uh, Biden holding a moment of silence on the campaign trail yesterday when he was told about this, calling it a tough day for the Middle East. And now, of course, the big question is, how will we respond? Not clear when and if we'll respond, but the White House says there will be some sort of response.
4: Okay, and uh, what about uh, in New York? Anything new this weekend? Anything from Eric Adams, Andrew Cuomo, Has he made it official yet? Anything good or N- not
5: yet? No, uh, nothing official from uh, you know from Cuomo about what his future plans are. There was this sort of interesting moment at the Museum of Natural History. They closed those uh, Native American halls, all, uh, which are a lot of them across the museum, because they were afraid that they're offending the Native American community, that they're not being culturally sensitive to them so if you walk into the museum today and you know there's a large section of the museum that's dedicated to Native Americans all shut down. And the parts, uh, stuff have been pulled out. There's empty um, display cases. Other display cases, there are curtains over them. And you had these tourists that were walking in, you know, kind of looking forward to seeing these objects, saying, where are they? And a lot of them, it was interesting when they interviewed them, they said, you know, uh, what's going on here? Did you ask Native Americans specifically if they're upset about this and they complained about it? And there was no response to, from the museum if they had actually heard from Native American groups saying, yes, we're offended. By these displays,
4: interesting, so your dad lives, I believe by Tel Aviv is that right he 's in Haifa actually oh that 's where they had the attack this morning, yeah, I saw that Did, Does your dad know about it? I imagine he does
5: usually, those stories get around quick like they do here,
4: so I was under the impression your dad was going to meet me at the airport and do something like that i 've not seen uh, of course i don 't know what your father looks like. you could have been standing there wouldn 't even know. But is your father still planning on seeing me at some well,
5: point? Well, you know, he, he screwed up the timing about when you were flying in, so he said he'd be happy to take you from Jerusalem back to the airport when you leave. And he, in fact, even bought one of those caps, and he's rented a long-stretch limousine.
4: <laughs> no, come on. You are funny. You are funny.
5: What does he do your dad here in Israel? He's retired, right? He's not. The guy is unbelievable. He's 93 years old. He still goes oh, God to bless work. Him. He still goes to work today. He's head of research and development
4: for a cosmetic company. Wow, really? Yeah. And what about your mom? I'm sorry, I don't know about all yeah, this. Yeah, no, thing. she passed away last year. Oh actually. God, it, that's the worst thing you could ever do, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the worst <laughs> thing. Well, way to thanks go. Thanks for asking. How's your yeah, way? right. How's your mom I, doing I, I was just getting over it. <laughs> she's written. not doing great right now. Stupid <laughs> Sid. <laughs> she's not doing great. I guess she's not going to pick Sid up at the end. I, I, by <laughs> the way, there, there are people that will beg to dipper that with all the issues going on in the world right now, if in fact your mom went to heaven. And I'd have to think that she did. She's in a much better place. Maybe she is doing great. Oh,
5: you know, I always think because she was such a Zionist. I mean, my parents moved m- during my last year of high school to Israel. So they've been there decades. So and how
4: could it be that your parents be here for decades? Yeah. Your mother, got rest her a as as Zionist. Your father living in Israel. And you're pro-Palestinian. How could that possibly be? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i got pictures of you by Kennedy Airport well, on Saturday. Know,
5: I'm a rebellious son. What can I say?
4: <laughs> you know, it, it is funny, though, because... You know, back home, you know, we're so uh, – everything is offended. Be careful what you say and don't – send. and, of course, I don't do that, and that's why I have great success and this show has great success because I've conditioned you guys to just be honest, you know. And everybody I talk to here – and it's, it's anecdotal, but maybe 20 people since I've arrived, they refer to these people as Arabs. I thought that was over. Like I remember one time when I said to Imus – and I called the Chinese guy a certain name, which wasn't offensive, but he said you can't say that anymore. And for some reason, I was under the impression that Arabs, they didn't do that anymore. But that's how they're – and, and the Arabs, oh, my God, they, they, they hated – I mean, there, there is some serious hate. You feel it the way they talk about them because I could tell you that uh, even on my tour this morning at the Western Wall, there's a, uh, a spot there right right below the wall there was an, an Arab village that's still there. And uh, these people go on and on about how they've lived there for a 1,000 years. And the guy telling me the story, two of them actually was like, they weren't even here 100 years ago. But they were conditioned to believe it by their parents and their grandparents. They don't know any better. But all they do is lie. This is our land. They showed me the tunnels underneath the Western Wall. They're still there, guys, from 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. That's ours. That's not theirs. So any idea that Americans may have that, Oh, everything is okay. I mean, look, the Israelis, all these guys made it very, very clear to me, we can live with them. We can live with them. They can work in our neighborhoods. The same guys that came back and raped our daughters and put up babies in ovens, they were working in those houses, in those houses for weeks and months leading up to that tragic day. We can work with them. We can live with them. But the truth is, dating all the way back to 1948 and before that, they can't live with us. They want all this land. They really believe this land is theirs. When, of course, of course, anybody knows anything about history knows this land belongs to the Jews and has since day one. But as you all know, Noam being a guy whose parents have lived here for so long. The Arabs just refuse to accept that. And these morons who are blocking tunnels and uh, and airports and the Belt Parkway in New York, they have no idea what the history is here, and, no
5: idea. And they don't know that also that there's communities of Arabs, a lot of them living in the north, that have the highest standard of living of any Arab community in the Middle East. You know, my brother, young, my younger brother, went with my parents when they moved decades ago and he works for an uh, engineering company. Most of the people he works with are Arabs, They're, a lot of them are attracted to that. Uh, to that industry because they're in the construction industry. And he said, you know, they work alongside me like anybody else does. And they live, they live these, the standard of living that's much higher than it would be in Gaza. Name the other Middle Eastern country. They're not living as high a level of standard of living as they do in Israel.
4: Also seems that almost everybody I talk to thinks Bibi's going to be done. He's got to finish this war. Whenever this war is finished, he will be done. Uh, some of them say it with a little bit of sympathy and even sadness, Others say, I love the guy, but he screwed up. Bottom line is, he's screwed up here. And, you know, there's a kind of a split government here. Uh, there's a liberal side and a Republican side, BB, the conservative side, I should say. And they have uh, worked together since October the 7th, much like Giuliani and Pataki found to work together after 9-11. God forbid Cuomo and de Blasio could have figured that out. But they have worked together since October the 7th. But, again, there there is no love lost there. I mean, they don't like each other. They do not share the same ideologies, and political philosophies. So that is a work in progress, to say the least. But the consensus, the overwhelming consensus, is that B.B. will be done here in Israel. Okay. Four great guests about to come your way. As always, Curtis Slewa starts us off every weekday morning. He's coming up at seven fifteen. We'll hear from Steve Bannon at some point, uh, the great congressman out of Long Island, Anthony D'Esposito, and two live guests in studio as well. It is a big Monday morning show once again. Live from the JNS studios right here in Jerusalem, Israel, where the war still rages on in the south and possibly, before you know it, in a big, big way in the north. More of Sid and Friends in the morning right after this.
1: 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit
2: in Friends in the Morning. I
0: get by with a little help
2: from my friends. But let there be no doubt what Joe Biden is doing is a crime against our nation. It's an absolute betrayal of our country, and it's an atrocity against our Constitution. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Crooked Joe will not get away with these crimes. He will be tried at the ballot box in November. And you will go back to having the strongest border, even stronger than I gave you. But we'll take that, too. We'll take anything when you look at what's happened to our country. And with your vote, he will be judged and convicted by the American people of this atrocity that he's done.
4: Ah, look at you, Louie, give me some Allman brothers. That, of course, is my guy Donald Trump. He was live in Las Vegas, Nevada this weekend. Las Vegas, of course, will be the site of Super Bowl 58 coming up two weeks from yesterday. And for the fourth time in six years, the Kansas City Chiefs will represent the AFC and the 49ers. Back for the NFC again, as I said earlier, a rematch of Super Bowl 54 when Mahomes and the Chiefs came back to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers 31-20. to 20. So, you know, I said earlier that uh, we got a whole bunch of really good guests stopping by, five of them starting with Curtis next hour, that Alex Trayman, who owns and runs JNS Studios, from i live this morning in Jerusalem, told me when you get to Jerusalem, you won't even feel like you're in a war zone. And he's, for the most part, right. But, but, the one thing you do see on just about every corner is the one thing that New Yorkers are begging for on the subway. It would make Curtis Lee was so happy, and that's cops and armed cops. Well, they're not cops here; they're they're IDF soldiers, they're reservists. But just about every block, there's somebody standing out there with uh, with a weapon, you know. And uh, that does take a little getting used to. We're not used to seeing that necessarily in New York. We did see that after 9/11. In fact, I remember going to the Super Bowl with my late father, who again, I'll say it again, he would, he would love this trip, man. He'd be really proud of me, especially this morning when I made a prayer for my pop at the Western Wall. But I remember we got to Tampa, Florida, where the Giants were playing the Super Bowl Bills back in 1990, Super Bowl twenty five, And I'd never seen this before. We got there early because we were told it's difficult getting into the stadium. At the time, it was the Gulf War, and George Bush, 41, was the president. That was an easy one, mind you. It took us over three hours to get inside the stadium that day because this was the first time they ever had metal detectors at the Super Bowl, and there were men with guns all over the stadium. Then, of course, you remember when the Yankees played the Diamondbacks in that heartbreaking World Series they lost in 2001, Yankee Stadium was covered with folks with guns, and that's what you get here. So you don't feel necessarily like you're in a war zone, but to see that uh, could be a little unnerving for young folks. So Bill O'Reilly said to me on Thursday, he said, Sid, you must do three things when you get to Israel. One is make sure you have a journal, write down everything, which I've done so far, I've done that. Secondly, you got to talk to the kids. I have not had that opportunity yet. I want to do that, Uh, talking to a couple of parents They've said that when it comes to telling their kids about October the 7th and what's happened since, they keep it very simple. The kids know, of course, that Israel has been, is, and will be under attack. They know that. They know that the Palestinians are not their friends. Now, I said the Palestinian folks, not just Hamas. So if you folks out there that are, hey, Palestinians are good people too, they're not so sure about that here, okay? They're not so sure about that here. Because Palestinians at a very early age, very, very early age, are taught to hate and kill the Jews. Not their fault, but it's a fact. So they know the Palestinians did what they did. So the kids got to be careful. But they don't go into, obviously, the graphic detail. And they also don't tell their kids that kids are being held hostage. Because they tell me that the kids feel like this is only for adults. When, in fact, we know there are even babies. I believe one baby was taken at nine months. That baby is now, what, 13 months old? But there are children still being held hostage, and Israelis uh, don't tell their kids, for the most part, about that. And again, nothing in real graphic detail. But uh, they're living with this every day. Every day it is the topic of conversation. No matter what they're doing on a daily basis, at some point this conversation comes up. And I think it warms their heart, that we do it too. I can't tell you how many people I was introduced to today thanked me for coming here. They said, thank you for coming, because the, the folks are not coming. They're not coming. You know, I just had this conversation with my dear friend Judge Janine, who's about as courageous and heroic a woman as there is in media today. She's the best. I love her on every Wednesday. She was invited to come here. netanyahu's people literally the same month i am here and she said no she's too afraid she's not the only one tons and tons of people that ordinarily come here are not coming here now and it hurts the israelis more than just financially which is an issue it really is an issue it's they want to feel like we've got skin in the game so when i show up here they go wow america cares new york cares sid rosenberg cares I remember standing outside of Cooper Union with my man Curtis Sliwa, who was about to join me next, on a rainy, rainy Sunday, months ago, not long after the attacks, and just days after the pro-Palestinians, those scumbags, had a bunch of terrified Israeli and Jewish students locked inside a library. And I remember seeing an old friend at that rally that day, who lived in my building on the Upper West Side, who said to me, yeah, things are going great, Sid, and thank you for all you do, and... You know, we're nervous, and my son has even taken off his yarmulke. And I said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Don't do that. Him taking off his yarmulke is is better for these animals than a dead body in the street because they're destroying your spirit. Do not do that. Don't take off your yarmulke. Don't be afraid to daven in public. Don't do that. So at the same time, don't be afraid to come here. Come here. Do the right thing by not just Israel, but for humanity. If you're a decent person, if you've got a soul, a soul, you've got to be so disgusted as to what happened, and it's still happening, folks. There's a lot of young girls who end up on Instagram every day. They're not just pictures on Instagram. They're people. They're getting raped every day, every day by these lowlives, raped They need you here. And I can do my part, but as a people, and again, not as a Jewish people, as a people, we need to be bigger than that. But I will do my part this week. My beautiful wife, Danielle, is here. Both of my children are here. My daughter, Ava, came in from London, which is very exciting. My son is here. We'll go back to the Wailing Wall, Western Wall, I should say, together in a couple of days. And this is something that... Yes, I'll limit it to the Jews for this part of the conversation. Every Jew living in New York right now needs to find their way here. Bottom line. Louis, I'm going to take a short break. You've got five great guests coming your way today. My man Lou Rafino is in studio. We're going to discuss everything from Trump to Biden to Eric Adams to Andrew Cuomo to Israel, all of it you got three more great hours of the number one talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, W-A-B-C.